You know how we are. It's, it's Wednesdays. It's wacky, wild, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but you're tuning into the Urban Conservative. Um, my name is Chaz Neal, an activist based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And with me today, I have, as always, just not today, not yesterday, and even tomorrow, but Jontel Tolan. Always, 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 and we, the Urban Conservative, is being brought to you by the Leon Black Independent Media. We are all about transparency, truth, and accountability. The Urban Conservative is all about the news on the streets, gun violence, crime, politics, and how we solve our community's most hardest issues. How can we change our communities for the better? Let's get back to family, community, foundational roots. Let's make sure nobody gets left behind. Shut up and help. Um, so today on Wildin' Out Wednesdays, uh, we're gonna, there was a press conference um, yesterday in uh, New York City with uh, Mayor Eric Adams and his health department. Uh, and, and just to say that uh, I never imagined that we would ever have to do a press conference and announce a war on a, uh, an animal. <laughs> but the rats don't run the city. We do. The rats are absolutely going to hate this announcement. But the rats don't run the city. We do. This is not ratatouille. Rats are not our friends. The rats are absolutely going to hate this announcement. That's crazy. They literally did a press conference and they, they, they're having a war on rats. Uh, and during this, uh, so there's a new initiative that they're doing in uh, where you're on, you're not allowed to leave your garbage out anymore like that, waiting for it to be picked up. So there's a certain time that you can put your garbage out. And that's supposed to help um, 
get rid of the the rat, the rat infestation, the, the rat problem. What is that doing? It doesn't because do anything, but because what the trash is just going to stay in people's homes, and then what the rats are just going to stay. That's not doing anything. No, it's not. It, it definitely isn't. It, it it definitely isn't doing anything, and it's sad to see that instead of doing uh keeping the city cleaner, they're making it harder on everyday citizens that live their life and have a hustle and bustling life as well to make it harder on them to put out their garbage. Right. Mm. Right. Right. Extra creamer. Very, very who me? Yeah, you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, I always gotta have my coffee. I always gotta have my coffee. Yo, same. Um, Speaking of James make sure you go catch our tea definitely 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 you gotta get your tea um james glass makes a very good point though rat trash stays in the house rats go in the see yep, so sure. very good point so what they're basically also as well doing it is they're just going to bring the problem indoors instead of having it outdoors and that is to me is is bogus because how are you going to help the residents you're trying to make the city look good for the tourists they don't want to help because it's possible deniability right and that's the thing it's always a blame game you know instead of the the mayor coming out and saying you know what we're gonna we're going to fight these rats because these rats aren't welcome here, but we're going to do this together. We're not going to make it harder on you, but we're going to work together. You didn't hear that. And that's the one thing that that sickens me um, when it comes to our government, because you look at any um, structure uh, organizational chart for city government and who's at the top? We the people. We're the boss. And yet we still get shitted on it's be, first of all because yes we are the bosses but if you ain't got no money behind you you ain't your voice don't mean shit. so whoever's sitting on their couch right now or maybe you getting on your shoes about to get in your car and go to work that's the person that i'm talking about i'm talking about you even me myself of that we have to use our voices in different ways our vote, not saying that it doesn't matter, but our voice matters. So we can't never let fear, we can't never let the fact that maybe, you know what, you might lose your job for speaking out. Hmm. Talk about it. Talk about it. Because that's what we need right now. Because I see a lot of posts going on around right now on social media talking about ACAB. If people don't understand what that means, all cops are bad. Now, there, there's always a math equation. So if you have 100 officers, but you have 90 good ones and 10 bad ones, how many good cops do you have? You ain't got none, motherfucker, because first of all, how you got a good cop, how you got so many bad ones, but ain't none of them off the force. They're just still out there doing what they're doing. That means they're all bad because how yep. 
Snitches get stitches. Silence equals violence. So I just really want people to really pay attention to uh, what we're fighting for, what what we're out here for. Uh, because is it for that, that next big payout? Is it for a payday? Or is it for change? Are you out here to be selfish? Are you out here to be selfless? Because the Black Lives Matter movement, the movement for change, the movement for reform, is all about truth and transparency and unity. And we have to get this fake shit, this, and I'm not even gonna call it so much fake, because we gotta lot stop the deflect and distract and stop making everything about money because where has money ever gotten us but further into despair and poverty? Because if the money's not, you can't solve an issue with money. You can throw whatever type of money you want at it. But if it's not used the right way, if it, it's just like saying, when you look at a farmer, right? If he doesn't buy the right type of, of land, the acreage, he's not going to have the best yielding for profits, the best corn, the best tomatoes, uh, whatever he's trying to grow because of that soil shitty, he's not going to be able to grow anything. So when I look over at North Minneapolis, this area could be blossomed into something beautiful, but because the way that the city fertilizes it, it doesn't, the money doesn't hit the right areas. And that's what I'm talking about the fertilizer because they're not putting the, the seeds, the right sun, the right amount of nurture to it because they forget about it. So that's why, but yet you go to these other areas where they're always water, they're always nurtured. And those areas are, are, are beautiful. You smell flowers, you smell promise, you, you smell the American dream. But yet, when you come over to where I live, you go outside your house, I see fentanyl, I see needles. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I don't see that American dream. What I see is what National Geographic used to show us all the time about a third world country. Because I'm living in a third world country in America. Not in Iran, not in Iraq, not in Africa, but in the USA. I live in a third world country where shots are fired every night, where you have ignorant ass people throwing firebombs, where you have people being kidnapped, where you have people dying of overdoses. How is that no different than what they're showing you on CNN about Somalia or about Europe or about Ukraine? because we have our own war going on right now in America and it's with each other. But don't nobody want to talk about that. So, oh, sorry for the little rant. Uh, this should be wild to me. Uh, you know, next story that what we're, we're going to talk about is The Umbrella Man is coming back up. Uh, if people don't remember the Umbrella Man, the Umbrella Man uh, is actually somebody that kind of really cracked off really the uprising. Um, 
And I, I want to give credit to, give me a second. Uh, I, I want to give credit to the man that took this, this video, um, Watchdog Media, uh, somebody that was out there. there and, and this is the thing that where a lot of independent media uh, really blossomed at and don't really get the credit they deserve yet. But we want to know about a lot of these stories uh, are situations if it wasn't for people like Brad, if it wasn't for people like John Tell, if it wasn't for people like Soup, uh, Mercado Media, CJ, uh, so many various different media. And regardless if I agree with them or not, because I'll even go with Oriole Express, uh, I'll go with Andy Nago. These people have got a voice. People have gotten money and gotten fame off of and, and and this is what this well because you need a following to get the story out there so i don't want people to take this the wrong way when i talk about it right but what i mean is that some people haven't they're in they want to call themselves independent but they're really not independent anymore because when they first started covering media being called media they would cover everything but now that they got grants or people are donating to them from certain causes, they just try to stay away from certain controversial stories. Mm -hmm. That At that point, you can't call yourself an independent media because if you're not gonna really cover what matters and why you got into this, stop calling yourself an independent media. Talk about uh, it. And that, that's, this is not to do anything about Watchdog or Brad. Uh, I'm giving credit out to when credit is due. And I just want to say that I watched Watchdog Media for a very long time. Uh, and still to this day, I think this video has like 100 million views. Um, and, and I want people to know too, that this man has not yet been arrested. So let's play the clip real quick. It's about a minute and 40 seconds. Oh, look, it's a Maserati. <laughs> Yo, that shit was wild, bro. I was down there. That shit was wild. People got milk. Yeah, I got water and milk, guys. I'm good. Yeah. It just took yeah. a while to breathe. Boom! Cup. Oh. Again, twice in one day. Luckily, I didn't have to breathe at this time. Oh, right there. There you go. Oh, here they come. Here they come. Why I'm doing this, to you guys? Yeah, see, watch this. I ain't got part of that shit. Oh, I'm, 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 I zoomed in. I'll, I'll do my little bit. Those cops will come for you if you're pulling that crap. No, that's not. That's garbage. Oh, that shit. Oh, oh, God damn it. 
So what you're not seeing in that clip is that was a little bit, I think it was about 30 seconds after. Uh, I didn't use Brad's whole video that night from Watchdog uh, that day. Um, but I do remember being, because I want people to understand this, is that, that the day that this happened, that was May 26th, um, 2020. And two days later, what happened? You had third precinct go down. And But I really want people to understand, too, is that if this never happens, because this is when a lot of shit, you still see Minnehaha Liquor still up, that other building that was still up, that's not there anymore. None of that you're seeing across the street right there is even there anymore. That auto zone has been rebuilt. Um, the parking lot is even differently. Uh, so I want people to understand this, but even with the umbrella man, they have a, had multiple suspects. Uh, the first one was a, a cop from St. Paul. Um, the second one um, has actually been is sitting in a prison or not a prison cell yet, but in a jail cell in Dakota County, uh, Kyle Williams, who was is part of a, a biker gang that was in numerous things, uh, not the Boogaloo Boys, but actually somebody Amazon shirt out there. Uh, but yeah, you know. Something that happened in uh, every major city, every major movement, there were people that infiltrated or came in and just wrecked shit um, that had nothing to do with anything, just wanted no. to, to further a narrative. And we watched it. I watched it happen with my own very eyes here where I reside in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It happened here, too. There were people right. covered up at dressed in all black. You couldn't see their faces or nothing. They came in, started setting stuff on fire, started trying to, no. you know. Uh, go and the, uh, they were smashing store windows. So then the news would come in the next day and uh, try and say that, you know, protesters or rioters did this, that, and the third. Doing that this, was, doing that. Right. You know, and that's the way that it, it always goes. They yeah. like to put a narrative out there and that narrative uh, isn't even, isn't even close to being, uh, the truth, because I'll, I'll tell you right now that the narrative that was put out about Minneapolis uh, during that time period, I will say this, Minneapolis stood up uh, to a lot of injustice. Uh, and what people don't understand is you have to know the background of MPD. You have to know the background story to uh, the Minneapolis City Council, you have to understand that there's a long history when it comes to the community, especially the community of color, the community of blacks, when it comes to government and not only just Minneapolis, because there's a lot of places right now that should have happened, what happened in Minneapolis, uh, because right now they care way more about profits and property Talk about it. And they care about people. And we see that more and more and more every day. Every day we see it. Uh, the deflect, distract. It's to keep us away from the goal line. It, it's, it's our offensive coordinator 
trying to call like in Seattle where they should have gave the ball to the beast and they wanted to throw it. So that's what's happening. Instead of us running the ball, they're calling their they want us to do a pass play. Where the smart play right now is to do a run play. So why are we trying to pass the ball? Let's get back to what we know, what we were raised with. Being a family, being together. And I know somebody out there knows who that is. I know. There's somebody out there that's probably sleeping with that person. He probably, man, right now getting up for work. Yep. And don't give two fucks. But that's the man that really, beyond, he didn't kill George Floyd, but he definitely was the start of the uprising. So, really want people to uh, to think about that because for every action, there's always a consequence. Regardless if it's a, a, a good action or a bad action, there's always consequences to it. There's always consequences to everything that we, we do in life. Uh, and we're going to take a, a, be right back. We're going to take a small, short commercial break. Uh, Got to pay the bills, got to pay the bills. So y'all already know what it is. While and out Wednesdays, my name is Chaz and I'm my co-host John Till and we'll be right back. Loans, culture, thrones, set ablaze by the majority. Tired of complacency, ready for the anarchy because what's left to lose? talk about something that is 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 really dear to me um homelessness uh let's talk about this program it's it's a tiny uh homeless shelter it's they like a tiny village uh it's called a vivo uh and they, they hype it up so so far that i've i've done my little and it says it in the article too, they've spent almost $3.6 million um, for this. Now, not saying that every program is bad, every program is good. Now there is downfalls to homelessness. And, but there's also other ways that we can help. And I don't feel like people that, especially with this individual, uh, that WCCO did this interview with, uh, there's always another side of a story. Uh, and that right there is that reversed more than 70 overdoses. That is a problem. And I know, and I, 
you can use, and this is my thing of it is too, because this will come out in the video, is that they can use freely there. And, you know, some people that are homeless are actually trying to better their lives and don't want to be around that shit. Right. And that is one of the main reasons of why people actually don't want to go to homeless shelters. Right. Um, but the county and the state wants you to go there so you can get help uh, the fastest way. $3.6 million. On Thursday, the council will vote on $1.2 million in funding uh i'm all and, and i'm all good with that but how is it really helping because if you have people that doesn't and i'm not saying that this isn't a good program what i'm saying is that if we're really going to help homeless let's help the people that are trying to really better them like their lives first because it seems like the ones that are really out here trying to better them like themselves are the ones that get shitted on the most because of the fact that we don't want to succumb to a system. We want to actually better ourselves, uh, but yet still we we need help. But I don't want to have to go to a homeless shelter to be able to get the help that I need and not to be considered homeless because I'm hopping couch to couch or I'm sleeping in my car. That right there, uh, we really have to clarify different uh, categories for homelessness because if you don't have your own address, if you don't have something that is in your name as a resident, you're homeless. I don't care if it's your 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 couch hopping. I don't care if it's an RV. If you don't have something that is your own. You're, to me, you're homeless because if you don't have a, a, a home, if you don't have a a, 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 a a foundation, you don't have anything. So, quit rambling. Let the video play. <laughs> As a first of its kind homeless shelter last year, 100 tiny homes inside a building in the North Loop. A former resident told WCCO's Jennifer Merrily that he felt safer living on the street, but the nonprofit says their model is working. <laughs> Tony Ely says waking up at Avivo Village to police responding to 911 calls for overdoses and other disturbances was harder than living unhoused. It's just a place where you can get off the street and go somewhere and just get high. The former resident who says he was removed after a disagreement with staff, he's filed a police report, says he felt unsafe. To me, it was living hell. 911 calls for service detail why police responded more than 200 times since March of 21. Things like assault in progress, person with a weapon, the highest number of calls for overdose. Representatives for Avivo Village tell us it's important to look beyond the numbers. <laughs> I mean, uh, what happens on the street shows up in an unsheltered homeless shelter. John Tribbett, a service area director, says their team has reversed more than 70 overdoses. None of those 911 calls for ODs have turned deadly, he says. More than likely, uh, if those individuals had been residing on the street uh, at the time of those overdoses, uh, some of those individuals would not be here with us today. Andy says the model of providing shelter and connecting people with resources is working. Just last week, Avivo Village celebrated housing 300 plus since opening and helping over 100 move to permanent housing. 
where the mayor said it's seeing incredible success. I would put the work that we are doing up against any other city in the entire country. Tony thinks they should be doing more to help people living there feel safe. It's not the Bebo that everybody thinks that's a Bebo. In Minneapolis, Jennifer Marley, WCCO 4 News. Wow. Well, I mean, that is something to think about that. What they got said, it's not what everyone thinks. I think there's always three sides to a story. Right. Because there's a lot, there is a lot to take in there, and there should be different areas of things. Like, I, I do support harm reduction. So I do support people having somewhere off the streets to use. I do support that. But I also think that that area needs there needs to be an area for that and it needs to be monitored and people that want to feel safer or that don't use in any kind of way have a different area maybe so that they can feel safe and everyone there's some kind of accommodation for everyone in that sense you know um some kind of way to make sure that everyone that wants to be off the streets can be off the streets right and and i'm gonna take it a just a tad step further because my thing of it is if you're doing and this is my part about harm reduction that I think I see harm reduction in, in, in a different light sometimes. Um, if we're going to allow people to use, we shouldn't have to bring them out of overdoses. Right. Mm -hmm. So right now we have fentanyl testing strips. Mm -hmm. Why are they not being able to test their product? before they use if if you're doing if you're allowing them to use it there why them test it first right, right. That, you know, I, completely, I completely agree it, it it doesn't make any sense to me of you're well, allowing yeah. them to use there but you're not protecting them and you think that you're protecting them because you have narcan no but you why that bring up a good question why are they having any overdoses or why they're having that high of overdoses to begin with 70. yeah it's it's because there's so much bad product out here and honestly that's the only one that go the 911 calls so i want people to realize that he only gave up the numbers that he had to he didn't give them up all because when you look at the 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 data so out of since March, since they opened of last year, March 21st of last year, there's been almost 400 calls, police calls for various things. Now, sometimes you not all I want people to know, too, we have two different types of systems. We have 311, which they didn't give up their number. That is non-emergency, but you still get an officer or you get a social worker, uh, a community service work officer, whatever the hell they call them. Um, and then 911, you get police, automatically police. Um, they only gave up the 911 numbers because they already know they would have gave up the 311 numbers. I can guarantee it was probably over a thousand calls. Right. I, I can guarantee it because of the simple fact of 311, you call for property crime, you call for theft um so many uh news you know public nuisance whatever things that they don't feel you need to call 911 for anymore uh, it's uh, you're calling the like even if your house you go you come home and your house is broken into um if there's not an intruder there they're going to tell you to call 311 and if it's not during their 311's business hours 
um, which I think is eight to eight every day of the week, you got to wait. What? You heard me. Or you got to go down to the police station. Wow. Yep. That's how it goes. Let's see. With with this, um, it's the styling of these little rooms in that facility that is alarming to me. It just reminds me of like a prison. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm very like, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have the building structures for people, but the point or the fact of the matter is there are more homes than homeless in this country. Tiny structures like this in tiny home villages for people and putting bars up around them and boxing them in as if they're in some internment camp when we could just put people in these freaking homes. Right. And, and we're and but yet we're still building infrastructure, housing infrastructure, and then they want to claim it as affordable housing, but yet you have all this other vacant buildings, vacant warehouses. Uh, and yet we still can't house everybody. It, this shit just, I then honestly, anymore to me, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to be 100 because in Minneapolis alone, we have a 61% vacancy rate. Now, <laughs> if people don't understand what that means in politics or government, uh, Vacancy means available. That's crazy. And that is crazy to me because how are we helping people, but yet we want to build more, and yet we already have um, so much availability. And what is a vacancy rate? The vacancy rate is the percentage of all available units in a rental property, such as hotel or apartment complex that are vacant or un unoccupied at a particular time. So in the city of Minneapolis, they have a 61% vacancy rate of available units in Minneapolis. That's so you need that's crazy as fuck to me, but and they're building all these new units. So how was I? I will never understand of how we have a homeless problem, a house. I'm not even going to call it a homeless, houseless, when we have all of these vacant buildings, these apartments, and yet they want to throw money at it. What are y'all throwing money at? Wishing on a dream? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, throwing it out there to, oh, hopefully this will catch it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm starting to really think we in Disney sometimes, man. Like all these fairy tale ass stories because I, I don't see no American dream. I don't see the opportunity to have a, a, a home, own a home, have that white picket fence, to be loved by a neighbor, to be treated equally, um, to have the the opportunity that everybody has no because american dream is you know what i mean so I, I will never 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 understand it and i'm gonna end on this note today is everybody knows about rosa parks um 
And when I mean that, I mean everybody knows about Rosa Parks. But does everybody know who this woman is? Does everybody know who this young queen is? Because she played a, a very important role in the civil rights movement. And her story should really be spotlighted today. And not only today, but in black history, uh, because she did something before Rosa Parks did. Uh, because on December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks refused to relinquish her seat on a public bus. Parks' protest sparked the Montgomery bus protest and galvanized the civil rights movement. Yet she was not the first Amer African-American individual in Montgomery to stand up against injustice in such a manner. On March 2nd, 1955, 15-year-old Claudette Colvin was riding home on a city bus after a long day at school. A white passenger boarded and the bus driver ordered Claudette to give up her seat. Claudette refused. As she later told Newsweek, I felt like Sojourner Truth was pushing down on one shoulder and Harriet Tubman was pushing down on the other. I was glued to my seat. Colvin was arrested for her civil disobedience and briefly put in jail. The NAACP and other civil rights groups considered rallying around Colvin's case and their campaign against Alabama's segregation laws before focusing efforts on Rosa Parks' protest nine months later. Nevertheless, Colvin was one of four plaintiffs in the landmark Browder versus Gale case of 1956, which ruled that segregation laws of Montgomery and Alabama were unconstitutional. So I really do want people to know history, um, to know that there was always, always somebody that before the greats, before the greats. Uh, we just don't ever get to hear about them because of the simple fact of maybe they were not always the right name. Maybe they had something wrong with them. Um, right skin tone, the right palability. So, and, and I want people to know too, is that Colvin's case was dropped by civil rights campaigners because Colvin was unmarried and pregnant during the proceedings. So I want people to know is that she was a 15 year old that was pregnant uh, and that's why they didn't rally behind her. Uh, and, and back in the day, that wasn't a good look to right. be unmarried, underage and, and, and having pregnant, having a baby. Uh, so that just shows you right there of something that we see classism, rankism, uh, things to make people not rally behind you. Make another excuse to say that your black life does not matter <laughs> because you have a past. They demonize us for being human beings. Uh, they demonize us. So until next time, um, I'm Chaz. And I'm John Tell. And we'll medit meditate through the pain and celebrate the ties that bond, liberate our people, educate our youth so we can stop the bloodshed. Be the chains. When our fail, freedom or jail, heaven or hell, wish me well. <laughs>